Welcome to another episode of the Gestalt Education Show. Uh, today we are talking about top secrets in practice. Today we're going to talk about the CT junction extension and why that is such an important uh, thing to check on your patients and then how we can actually increase the CT junction extension uh, with one of our favorite uh, you know, motion palpation moves, which is called the thumb move. So uh, I'm Taylor. Uh, I'm joined with my host, uh, Brett. And uh, so, Brett, do you want to kick us off and kind of talk about number one, uh, why? why you think the CT junction is, uh, I don't know, uh, ignored and uh, why it's so difficult to, uh, to, to adjust on patients? I think it's ignored because it's hard to perform on the adjustment. So I think in school, you know, if we talk about the typical experience at schools where they're taught like a supine rotary into the mid cervical spine, um, you know, I think that's obviously degree of difficulty is not that hard. So a lot of people, you know, can pull that off literally within the first hour of learning how to do that. The CT junction's way harder to do, way harder to learn. It's also probably honestly harder to palpate. And I think that it gets basically neglected because it is, you know, it's hard to do. It's definitely the CT junction and the thoracolumbar junction and like that that other junctional area that no one ever talks about, but that area between T4 to T6 probably, I think those are the three most common joint blockages by far, hands down, that we that we see in the spine. I just feel like, you know, when I was young in my days in school, I just was led to believe that everything was gonna, you know, live and die in the upper cervical spine. And once you learn how to palpate, you'll you'll find that it is there, but it's not there like it is in these in these other areas that we're speaking about right now. Yeah, I love it. And then I just think it like brings along the, the point of shared motion to the spine. You know, we have individual vertebrae in our spine for a reason. We're meant to share the motion throughout. And so, you know, if we want to talk about MDT, for example, if we don't share motion in, in big chunks of our spine, then that's when it kind of leads us down these derangements and these acute disc herniations and things along those lines. And and so I think that, you know, if you're seeing a lot of radiculopathies in your cervical spine radiculopathies or cervical spine derangements, however you want to say it, then and like treating the CT junction is the key point to all of that. It's so critical. Yeah. You know, I mean, those of you who are in private practice or about to, you're going to be working with people who have cervical disc derangement literally all day long. Rarely in that example are you actually manipulating at the level of the derangement, but you will be manipulating into the CT junction all day long in these patients. And that was one of our topics today is kind of talk about which moves make sense for example, the seated CT move, even bias toward extension, love the move, you know, and you know, it's a big part of our education if you've taken an MPI course, but that may not be the time for that move in an acute cervical disc arrangement, but we're still gonna move the CT junction with other ways. Yeah, absolutely, and I think uh, being able to pick and choose, you know, what fits your patient preference or, uh, you know, what stage of the, the point in your treatment plan or, or, you know, how acute they are really determines that. And so um, we're, we're gonna kind of get into that today. We're gonna have a little video portion of this podcast. So if you're listening on your podcast platform, uh, no big deal, we'll talk through everything. It's gonna be uh, pretty easy transition, but uh, stop on over to our YouTube page and uh, you'll actually be able to see uh, us kind of walk through this and, and watch uh, Brett kind of give his tips and tricks of uh, the last couple of 20 years or so of uh, performing this manipulation and uh, kind of getting into a little bit more details as far as when and where we would use this in the treatment plan. So I think one of, one of the things just right off the bat I'd like to talk about is 
you know, early on, I was definitely kind of known for my seated CT move. And I mean, we, I still do it. And, you know, we obviously we still teach it. However, I think I've really like come to understand the importance of also being really good at the thumb move. So, and I think one of the, one of the reasons, there's actually two main reasons. One of them is that I feel like it's really the only way to actually get the CT junction to its endless range of extension, which I'm going to show in the video today. So I don't think you can do it at seated. I don't think you can do it prone or supine. Um, or I take that back. I do think you can do it uh, prone. But um, so, and I'm going to show why that is and exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, I that's a that was a game changer for me once I kind of figured that out and. I think also just knowing how to palpate the area well. And I mean, the big epiphany moment I had in my career of learning how to palpate was once I took all the motion out and whatever uh, plane of motion that I was palpating for and then sprung the joint, right then and there, I could feel everything. It just, it just changed everything for me. And then I became a much better teacher once I understood that key point also. Yeah, I think that it just kind of reiterates too, like, we uh, we're we're headstrong and we're we're steadfast, and that uh, motion palpation is is the the way. And, and palpating joints is your your indicator of when and where to adjust. And so uh, that's not going anywhere. And so uh, we uh, we truly believe in it, and uh, we do it every single day, which. Uh, it, it makes you get better at it when you have to do it, when you force yourself to be really good at these things. And so uh, being really good adjusters mean that you're a really good palpator. And you can't be a good adjuster without being um, a good palpator. It's literally not possible. And so whenever I see anybody on the internet who is saying that you cannot joint play and you can't feel dynamic palpation, it tells me 100% they're a charlatan and they're not, they're not out in practice springing joints. So mm -hmm. if you don't know how to spring joints, then you have no way of knowing what you're going to adjust. And I will go to my grave believing that. So, and I'll also be the first to admit, yeah, if you've never done it and then you do a, you try to study it, then yeah, you're not gonna be able to feel it. Like mm -hmm. this is something that takes, it's, it literally takes years of practice to be great at. You can start feeling it right off the bat as a student, but I mean, it, it takes years of experience to be able to actually feel. And the people that are being told that they can't feel that or they shouldn't learn that, I mean, I don't think there's more destructive advice that exists right now in the chiropractic's uh, students' education than that right now. Mm -hmm. Like that is so destructive to tell a group of students that they are unable to joint play and feel uh, joint blockage. Yeah. It, it is just pure insanity. And I just thank God every day of my life that I got to see the master Dr. Levitt or a Dr. Fay or, you know, those people who went before us who, you know, explain the importance of joint play and how hard it is to get good at. And it's just, it's just absolutely critical to know that skill. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's cool about palpation too. It's like, it strings across multiple, uh, you know, professions. It's not like that was a chiropractic thing that came up. You know, Dr. Levitt had been springing joints for <laughs> basically his whole entire career. Manel, yeah. Carlton Born, so, Maitland. Uh, if, you, if you really study the, the history of manipulation and palpation, I mean, it, it strings across generations and professions and stuff like that. And so uh, we're going to keep it going. There's no question. Yep. So um, so anyway, uh, we're going to transi transition into the, the actual hands-on portion of this. And so um, stay uh, stay tuned and uh, kind of, uh, it, it, like I said, if, you, if you're just listening on your podcast, that's totally fine. You're going to get the gist of it. But if you want to see it in action, uh, stop over to our YouTube channel or look at our social medias and it'll be on there. So uh, anyway, hang tight. So we're going to show a couple ideas for joint play for the CT junction. 
One that I think is, uh, I really started to like in the last probably 10 years since I took some NDT courses is simply palpating upper thoracic extension through retraction. So I can basically take Grant back like this. And then at the end of that, with my left hand, I'm springing to see whether or not he's got that, uh, that critical upper thoracic extension that we need for the retraction move. So remember back to when we were talking about the podcast, the reason these segments are always in need of extension is because most of us are losing our battle with gravity in the sagittal plane here. So, so many of our patients have a common scenario of upper thoracic joint blockage, inhibited deep neck flexors, and overactivity of the extensors of the cervical spine. So that's why we use a multidisciplinary approach or a multi-integrated approach, I mean, to, to help this problem with manipulation, MDT, and DNS always being integrated together typically, even in, within the same case. The other thing I could do from here is I could just bring him into extension like this, and I he could use my finger or my thumbs, and then so as I'm extending him here, then I spring the joint here. So I'm not over one bone right now, I'm over a couple spinous processes, and I'm just springing to see the quality of the extension. And he's actually got decent extension in this area here. Now, if you come over here and lay on your side, another nifty way, they might, they might be able to see better if you flipped around there, okay? Is to simply come here, take all of his muscles out of the equation. I put my fingertips over the area that I'm wanting to assess. I end range extend him, and then I do two things. I feel whether or not extension's occurring uh, across the spinous processes, or I can actually just spring the motion forward with my fingertips like this. And again, I'm looking for a lack of joint play. And now we get to what I really wanted to talk about today was when to use a thumb move versus maybe a seated CT move or other moves. Go on your belly for me. I'm of the firm belief now that the, the way to get very, very in-range extension is through a prone thumb move, actually. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Grant here, and like we teach in MPI with one of the thumb moves or variations we teach, is we have him take the head out of the headpiece like so. I'm now gonna put my thumb across his thoracic spinous processes like so. So if you're looking on a dry spine, you can see how, <coughs> sorry Grant, as he turned his head like this, now his spine is essentially facing this way. My thumb is going to go on top of the spinous process, not off to the side or not on the spinal laminar junction like we, like we do with a lateral flexion move. So then the key to a thumb move is getting all the motion taken out. So if you watch me in Grant here, I put an L around his ear, I traction that way, and then as I'm doing that, I'm getting the segment to end range extension like so. Once I get to the end of that extension from here, then I'm just gonna thrust across. And like I said before, if you put them supine or even seated, you can still manipulate for extension, but I don't think you can get it to its endish range. Maybe I can show it one more time on the other side. So we'll flip sides. So a couple key things. Great thumb movers too are thrusting through both of their hands. Uh, but I'm not taking my hand and doing it this way. When I go to thrust, I'm taking the motion out. This hand is going this way, and this hand is going uh, toward the right there. And again, I'm on top of the spinous processes. I take the motion out like this. 
And then from here, then we just thrust across. And because my fingers are across the spinous process, I'm getting very, very in-range extension. So other options could be, go on your back for me. You could do it this way, but again, you can just see how, although this is extension, this is not in-range extension, but this would be another way to do it. Let me have you sit up and face that way. Come back my way. We do this one all day long, but again, I don't think it's in-range extension. And I want to uh, say one more thing. Obviously, lateral flexion and rotation are part of that adjustment. So what we find a lot of times when we go to joint play is they have what I would call a multi-directional joint blockage, which means it's blocked in every direction. So that moves really nice because we're adjusting for extension, lateral flexion, and obviously contralateral rotation. So the other way to get extension could be here. Boom. Or the final way, which would be the seated CT move. And if we were wanting pure extension, then I just take more of like a Gonstead stance like this, and then I would uh, set my contact here, and then my thrust would be uh, basically almost straight P to A like so. So I mean, as you can see there, it's, it's a little bit more challenging to get them to end range. Now the other thing, key point, is in any seated move that I do for the CT junction, the head is not stationary like it is on the thumb move. So the reason that becomes important, if we're dealing with cervical disc arrangement, I may not want this extra motion going throughout the cervical spine. So I can control that a little better and I can be a little bit more precise when I do the thumb move. Now, sometimes you'll run into a patient who we don't really think is a disc arrangement, they just have a huge joint blockage in their CT junction. We love the seated move for that. I think it's a great way to get multiple different planes of motion, but it just, it, it depends on the case, quite honestly. And sometimes we're transitioning them as we move them along our treatment or care plan where we're doing, uh, we might start with a thumb move or some uh, A to P move. And then as the, as the treatments go by, then we're now able to progress them into more of a seated CT move. But I guess the big take home message is, is you want to be able to do every single way possible. And I used to hold myself accountable to going at the, uh, the library at Logan, picking up any manipulation textbook and literally being able to do them all. And that way, you know, then you can start to decide which one makes the most sense for the cases. But I hope what we've done is maybe just kind of expose which ones are good for certain cases. Because I definitely thought when I was a student that I was just gonna you know, be able to just blow up everyone's CT junction seated. And uh, there are cases out there that it, it just, they don't have the anatomy to make it work, or maybe you don't have the anatomy to make it work, so we gotta have other ways to be able to do this. And I think, uh, I think that's a really important point. In the CT junction, you should be adjusting multiple, multiple times, even within an hour of your day, because the, those segments get blocked so much. And I think the other important point too is be creative, understand your palpation, understand the, the patient's preference, and then move along them and, and pick and choose uh, based on what you feel, what, what the patient needs. So. Or also, like sometimes, like I'll maybe I, I think I'm going to do a seated CT move and I get them here and I just don't like the way that it feels because maybe they're so hypermobile, which is another good point. Sometimes they're so hypermobile in their cervical spine that their point of lockout is in a really compromised position here. And I just don't feel comfortable thrusting with their head that compromised. So I may not use it, you know, at that point. So another thing too, is if, if I'm doing a seated move like this, 
I can match my joint plate to that. So basically, if this is what I would be doing on a seated move, I just come in like this and I joint play. And a lot of times you'll feel like, actually, that's not actually blocked now that I've got them in that position. Now it makes sense why I wasn't able to get it to move here. Because remember, you're going to get a second chance to palpate in your setup. So if I thought that he was lacking lateral flexion in a CT junction, then I should get right up against it again in a lateral flexion move in a CT junction here. And then the way this works is then I get my, my thrust into that joint blockage. So you want to have that tissue sense to be able to, in your setup, get right back up against that joint blockage. And as I, then as I always say, you want to be a wrecking ball in less than a millimeter of space. And that's what I think separates the greats from the... Uh, novice manipulators. Absolutely. So to learn more about this, uh, go look up Motion Palpation, motionpalpation.org. Uh, Brett's teaching a course first weekend in, in February here in St. Louis uh, for the full spine, correct? That's right. And uh, so uh, throughout the year, uh, Motion Palpation's all over the country, and uh, this is the best place to get this information. So uh, go look them up. And uh, any last thoughts, Brett? Just MPI was the bedrock for me. Like, I mean, at my whole career got launched because of MPI. And I mean, it's still such a like vitally important part of what we do here. I agree. I was an MPI rep at, at Cleveland, Kansas City. That's how I found uh, Dr. Winchester, how, I, how we got hooked up. So. And our patient here? Yep. He's getting ready to be done repping out here. In Grant Spear. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, anyway, I hope you guys really enjoyed our kind of more interactive um, podcast this week. Uh, check out our YouTube channel, and uh, you'll be able to see him actually get blown up. So, uh, have a great week, guys. Uh, good luck with patience. Keep crushing it.